the heating off somebody. Is that all right? Um, it's a noisy heating. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. I'll know you're getting too cold if you start putting your coats on again. Um, it's great to see you and Happy New Year. I haven't really um, had the chance to share so far in 2022. But I am going to continue our All In series that Joe started uh, last week. And by the way, if you are watching this online, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, uh, we're, it's great to have you with us. And um, yeah, thank you for joining us. Um, so yeah, we're continuing All In, Vision for 22. And last week, Joe talked about how important it is to walk by faith and not by sight, quoting that verse from 2 Corinthians. And we were looking specifically at what happened to Mary and Joseph after the Christmas story, um, how King Herod, in his jealousy, sent soldiers to kill babies. And so being in a very dangerous situation, Mary and Joseph, um, how they chose not to look at the dangerous situation around them, but actually to listen to the voice of God and follow the direction that they did, which was to end up going off to safety um, in Egypt. And Joe was encouraging us to think about what it might mean for each of us to walk in step with the Spirit this year in 2022, about how we can choose, as Paul's already said, not to be defined by the circumstances we see in front of us, but by God and his faithfulness and his kindness and his generosity. And we can look to that and let that define the steps that we take this year. And so I wonder what your steps are for 2022. I wonder what adventure God is inviting you into, or even what challenge God is inviting you into. I wonder how he's going to be stretching you this year, and if you're up for that, and if you're up for saying yes to him. We've planned this series because we wanted to actually share with you some of what we feel God is inviting us into as a church this year, but there's some things we need to talk about before we go there. We just need to acknowledge where we are, because as you know, COVID's been incredibly challenging. Many of us have experienced personal pain, grief, loss, heartache over the past year or two. Our children's education has been disrupted. Our older and more vulnerable uh, folks have found themselves increasingly isolated and lonely. For some of us, our mental health, our emotional health, and even our spiritual health has been really affected. I don't know if you uh, remember, but only last Easter we were meeting like that. Seems like an age away now, doesn't it? because things have been changed so much recently. Have you heard this phrase? This is something I heard someone talk about a few weeks ago. I googled it. It's a thing. It's called pandemic flux syndrome. Okay? Pandemic flux syndrome. Um, I don't think it's a proven scientific peer research thing yet, but it is something that um, a a few scientists have been talking about, um, or naming anyway, and it's the emotional impact of living with constantly changing guidelines and uncertainty. Rules and res- our rules and restrictions just keep changing, don't they? Our plans are always having to change. And it's, I don't know about you, but it's wearing us down. And we do keep hoping at some point that this pandemic will be over, that we can put a line in the sand and get on with our lives. But that isn't the case. In fact, I've heard this week that experts are thinking probably there will never be a definitive end point to this pandemic, which is challenging. Uh, One scientist said this, a clearly demarcated fresh start gives us renewed motivation and helps us pursue important goals. But for most of us, that clear fresh start just hasn't materialized yet. You know, that's just the reality of it, isn't it? Because we just don't know. Another scientist said this, our nervous systems seek certainty. So this prolonged limbo is grating on us as individuals and as a group. We keep reaching for understanding and continue to get crushed 
by the waves of a fluctuating reality. Can anyone recognize any of this? Or is it just me? The lady who coined this phrase, um, pandemic flux, is a social scientist called Amy Cuddy. And she did a, um, this other lady, Brené Brown, is a very well-known writer and podcaster. They did a podcast together on this whole thing, pandemic flux syndrome. She said this, think of it like sprinting a marathon with no predetermined finish line. Your body just can't maintain that pace before something has to give. Now, you've probably experienced this. We experienced this just even in the last Christmas holidays. We invited a group of friends to come down and stay with us for a couple of days over New Year. And then some of them, four out of five of their family ended up testing positive, getting COVID, had to stay home, had to isolate. We ended up making some different arrangements. We ended up traveling up to um, see our other friends in, in, in Birmingham. We needed to find accommodation over the New Year. It all worked out. But you know, we needed to be flexible again. And at the start of the Christmas holidays, just as we'd sat down with our kids who just got home, we were kind of looking forward to just 10 days of peace. And all of a sudden, we had to remake our plans again. And maybe you can identify with that as well. This is the reality that many of us have either lived with or are still living with in 2022. And so, we, and we know we're not out of the woods yet, don't we? I was chatting to a friend of mine this week who's a doctor. He said, the experts don't really know what happens next. He said, yes, the Omicron levels seem to be going down. It's unlikely that another more dangerous variant could emerge, but it's possible. Unlikely, but possible. And doctors think we probably need another two or three winters before we can really work out how to best manage this in terms of as a a population. And so in the midst of all that uncertainty, I wonder if you are asking, is it even worth making plans? You know, do we have the energy to dream? Do we dare to think that God God might be inviting us into some new and exciting and challenging things and ways to grow? And how do we keep looking to God and trusting him despite what we're seeing around us. And for some of us, our faith has been tested to the limit, hasn't it? I mean, some of us have felt that we've just been honestly clinging on to Jesus by the fingernails. Even just contemplating the idea that God might be inviting us into something new, that leaves us with questions and maybe even anxiety. So what does walking by faith look like here and now? Here's another verse that's a similar verse, well-known verse from Proverbs. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Maybe you've heard that verse before and it's quite an easy thing to say, isn't it? Oh, everything will be fine. Just trust in God. Just take that step of faith. Everything's going to be okay. It's an easy thing to say, but it's not always an easy thing to do. See, choosing to trust God means choosing to live in a tension. The tension between the uncertainty of what's around us and the certainty of God's character. Tension is not always easy. It's not comfortable. And yet it's what we're called to do. And you know, these kinds of uh, decisions we have to make, with hindsight, we often discover that it was the right thing to do. With hindsight, we can look back and say, oh yes, of course, trusting in God was always the best thing to do. You know, it all worked out. As somebody I know says, what is it? Oh, I forgot the quote. Didn't write it down. What's that quote about it's not over yet? Oh, never mind. Oh, you know, going off notes, never a good thing to do. Um, Anyway, it all, you know, we look back and we go, yeah, everything worked out. It's all great, you know, but it works and it works 
Because God is our loving Heavenly Father who would never let us suffer. Maybe it doesn't always work out in the way that we expected or thought. But being in the midst of a situation where we're looking at what's in front of us and we're wondering what God is going to do is not easy, is it? That's a choice. A choice to live in the tension. A choice to trust God. To trust God in the small things and in the big things. In our day-to-day routine and how we relate with those we're close to. In our families and our work and our health. In our finances, our resources. The choices, the things we choose to spend our money and our time on. And in our spiritual life. You know, choosing to live in that tension and trust God might mean being the first person to take the step to resolve a relational conflict even if you didn't start it. For example... It might mean giving our money to someone who we know is in need, even though we know that might mean that we end up missing out on something. It might mean offering our time to help a neighbour when we really just want a rest. Or it might mean offering to pray for someone like Paul did in the shop, thinking, what's this person going to think of me? I might look a bit foolish now. The challenge of trust is to keep stepping out of our comfort zone, keep following the prompting of the Holy Spirit, keep doing the things that we uh, feel that we should do, even though they feel a bit scary. But it's in those moments that we grow. It's in those moments that we become more mature. And that's the tension, the tension between choosing to trust God, who we can't see and choose to believe, and choosing to trust the things that are in front of us or rely on the things that are in front of us. And that's the tension I want to talk about a little bit this morning. And here's a definition of tension. Tension means this, a strained condition resulting from forces acting in opposition to each other. Or another definition that's helpful here is a relationship between ideas or qualities with conflicting demands. If the choice to walk by faith is like a force pulling us in one direction and then often acting completely against it is our inbuilt instinct for self-preservation or our desire for comfort or an easy life. And that's the tension. Those are the things that are pulling us in opposite directions, we feel sometimes. That's the reality. And I want to talk a little bit about tension and then I want to share with you just some of the tensions that we are learning to think about and embrace and live in as a church this year. But first of all, I wonder, just turn to the person next to you, or if you're watching online, somebody who's in the room with you, and tell them, what is your favourite kind of story? What's your favourite type of, I mean, everybody loves stories, but what's your favourite kind of story? Is it novels? Is it biographies? Is it movies? Are you into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Is it box sets or documentaries or sport? What's your favourite kind of story? Just turn to the next person next to you. Tell them, what is it that you really love? What kind, if you had a choice, if you were just resting, if you just had some time to chill out, what kind of, what's the favourite kind of story that you like? Is it a crime novel? Is it, is it a whodunit? What is it? Okay. Okay. So just shout some out for me. Just shout some out. What are the genres that you like? The Wombles. I think. Rom com, sorry. I thought you said the Wombles. You might have to take your mask off to shout out. Well, brilliant. Rom com. People like romantic comedies. What else? What other stories do you like? Fantasy. Fantasy. Great. Okay, one more. 
Lovely. Historical fiction. Thank you. Do you know, whatever genre of story you like, the truth is that at the heart of every great story, you will find a massive amount of tension. You will find tension building through the story. You'll find it between the characters. You'll find it between the values. You'll find it between the dreams and the desires and the possible outcomes. So turn again to that person and tell them, which is your favorite story and what is the tension that's going on in that story. Just have a think about that. If you don't want to talk to anybody, by the way, you can just reflect in your head, that's fine. But just think about the story that you like best and just think, what is the tension going on there? What is that tension? What is that tension? Here's, yeah, I'll let you do that. I mean, the tension in a romantic comedy is fairly obvious, isn't it? You know, it's a will they, won't they, does he like her, does she like him, etc., etc. How about these two? Here's just two. I, I I think this is applicable across any type of story, okay? Even the Wombles, yeah, okay. Here's, here's two that I noticed just from the very end of last year. Right, so I don't know if you've seen the new Spider-Man film. In this film, I won't give any spoilers, but in this film, Spider-Man's identity, his real identity has been revealed, which is a very damaging thing. And so he has the ability to reverse that by getting a... Don't ask me how this works. um, But by getting a spell cast that will wipe everybody's memory. Okay, but the problem with that is that if he's going to wipe everybody's memory so they don't remember, so they don't remember who he is he's also going to wipe the memories of his closest and most trusted friends. And there's inbuilt tension and sadness, actually, in that. That's one film I just noticed. Completely different genre. Um, Those of you who are Formula One fans, the end of last year's Formula One championship, not that I'm a big fan, but I did notice it because you couldn't really avoid it. It was all over the news. Um, Was a massively talked about conclusion, wasn't it? I mean, after several... How many are F1 fans here? Have we got a few? Yeah, a few. Okay, so, so as far as I can see, up till last year, we basically had Lewis Hamilton winning everything and no particular tension. And last year, you had a guy who could challenge him for the, a proper challenge, and so you had this kind of ongoing drama played out all the way through all the F1 things, all the way right to the end of the year. So you've got this massive tension going on, okay? It's that tension that drives any story forward, whether it's fact or fiction. It's what makes you, if you're reading, it's what makes you turn the next page in your book. If you're watching something, it's what makes you sit on the edge of your seat, whether it's a film or or a sports thing or whatever. Here's the paradox, though. This, this, This is really interesting. Tension is what makes the best stories. But have you noticed that in real life, nobody really wants to live through it? I mean, tension is really what drives stories forward. And yet, we find it hard to live with in real life, don't we? We would rather avoid tension, wouldn't we, if we can? It's not comfortable, it's not fun, it's potentially scary or messy or stressful. But it is real life and we might as well get used to it and we better embrace it, actually. It's better that we embrace the tension and we choose to stay close to God through it. 
And if you are living in a stressful situation right now, if you, if you have got things going on that are really tense right now, if, you, if you're experiencing this for yourself, I just want to encourage you. I want to say, yes, no, it isn't easy. Yes, it's hard. God, but, but God is with you. And it's a wonderful opportunity to grow. You know, we've just sung those words, I'm no longer a slave to fear. But I'm choosing to be a child of God. That's why we come to church. That's why we choose to worship God. Because we want to acknowledge the tensions that are the very real part of life. And say, yeah, despite all of what's going on, I'm going to choose to stay close to God. I'm going to choose to put my trust in him. I'm going to trust that he is looking after me. Somebody once wrote, our God is a great big God. And he holds us in his hands. <laughs> and that, but but that's, that's a spiritual reality. It's a spiritual reality. Um, If you want to find this in the Bible, the Psalms of Lament are full of this stuff. Absolutely full of it. And there are loads of Psalms of Lament. And um, here's somebody that I quote from time to time, Bono. He said this, and this is an introduction to the Psalms that Bono wrote a few years ago. He says, Abandonment, displacement is the stuff of my favorite Psalms. The Psalter, that's the songbook, the Psalms book, may be a font of gospel music, but for me, it's in his despair that the psalmist really reveals the nature of his special relationship with God. Honesty, even to the point of anger. How long, Lord, will you hide yourself forever? Or answer me when I call. We don't have the time to go into the Psalms of Lament today, but just if you're interested, there's a top five, okay? Um, I don't know if it is a top five. <laughs> it's not like that. At number five, Psalms of Lament, no. Um, <laughs> But here are some of the different Psalms of Lament that you might just want to have a read of for yourself. Because honestly, these songs that are in our Bible and have been for centuries really do say it like it is. They really do express deep and painful emotions. And the writers, as they are writing those things, being very honest, very blunt, and yet still choosing to trust God in the middle of that. That might be helpful. If you are in a difficult place, then the Psalms of Lament are a great place to go and just reflect. But I want to look at another passage, and the passage I want to look at is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, um, and it's um, a letter, it's Paul's letter to the Corinthians, um, where he says this. Um, he says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So Paul is taking this idea of tension, of choosing to trust, and he's sort of talking about how it works within us. And so that whole, that the jars of clay, ordinary jars, were where people would actually hide their treasure for security purposes. And so this is a picture that Paul is painting that people can relate to. Um, but also, jars of clay was a common metaphor for human weakness. And so Paul is painting this, describing this picture with his words. He's saying, look, you've got this incredible resurrection power, this life of God. And it's like the treasure. And where is it stored? Well, it's stored within us. Us, the less than powerful, slightly weak, perhaps damaged, very down-to-earth human beings. And there's that tension. And then Paul goes on and spells that out viscerally. He says, what that looks like is we are hard-pressed on every side, but yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, 
but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. This is the paradox, the tension inherent in the life of a believer. Yes, life can be tough. Circumstances can be brutal. And Paul, by the way, is speaking from his own experience. Paul has suffered. He has been imprisoned. He has been criticized. He's been run out of town in various places. But Paul also knows the resurrection life of Jesus. He's experienced it for himself and he's compelled to keep sharing it and giving it away. And that's the tension that he's living in. We've got this life, we've got it within us. We're not perfect, but he is the treasure within us. And you know what? The the reality in our world today is that people are in desperate need of God, aren't they? I mean, people have lost faith in governments and institutions, you know, I don't think it's an understatement to say that you could look all around you and see hopelessness. Um, but for us who are believers in Jesus, we have a different story. Faith is our story. It's been our story throughout the Bible. It's been our story across generations and history. You know, We read about God's big story and we get to play our part. And for many of us, it's been our story throughout our lives, even to this point. So yes, the pandemic has been hard. Very hard. But we already have stories in our lives and in our community, in our history, of people who've stood through difficult circumstances, circumstances even worse and even more challenging than this, and said, yes, I'm going to trust God, and he has proved faithful. And so we hang on to those stories of faith from the Bible and from history and from our lives. We're not the first generation to feel things falling apart. In every case though in every season there have been believers who have continued to walk by faith so we can be reassured that despite covid despite political division despite racism and everything else that's currently going on in the crazy world around us god is still on the throne he's still at work in the world in the church and in the lives of his people he's still doing his renewing and his saving and his healing work And all of this works because of one key moment in history, and that's Jesus' death and his subsequent resurrection, which is what led to our salvation and our ability to live and act according to God's plans. All of this comes out of that. We live out of that death and resurrection every day. And that's what Paul is saying when he goes on the next part of this passage. He says this, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to the death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. Paul is describing there how it is that there will always be life available to us. Okay? There will always be stuff available to us that isn't healthy, that isn't helpful. Okay? And there will always be things that we can let go of and that we will need to die to. We will always need to die to the desires of the flesh or what the Bible calls sin, to attitudes and to values that aren't helpful for us. But Paul is reminding us that we have the life of Jesus within us. And it's renewing us and it's leading us and it's guiding us and it's helping us and it's empowering us and it's keeping us going. And Jesus' death on the cross led to life for the whole world, for you and for me. And we can follow him. He actually taught us, didn't he, to follow him. He said, I want you to take up your cross. If, you, what, if and how you, he said, when you follow me, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take up your cross. In other words, we're going to have to die to something. And um, this lady, Joanna, who's uh, my spiritual director, she said this. She said, saying yes to resurrection life invariably means being prepared to put something else to death. 
And that's a principle we see the world turning on. We see it in nature all the time. It's also a principle I've seen in my own story a number of times. And you probably have as well. So, for example, just to tell you a little bit about my background, right through my teenage years, all I ever wanted to do was to be a musician. Okay, I didn't want to be a celebrity. I didn't want to be famous. But I did want to be a successful touring musician, somebody who made their living playing music on stages for people to enjoy. Um, I wanted to be in a band that made records and toured, and to some extent, to a small extent, in my early 20s, I got to do that for a bit. I was in a band, and we got to play some gigs, some quite big gigs. We got to play in some iconic music venues that I'd read about in... Does anybody remember the Melody Maker or the New Music NME, New Music Express? Yeah, I'd read about these places like the Marquee Club and the Town and Country Club, and not being from London, I'd never been... And I got to play on some stages, and that was exciting. But ultimately, our band didn't get a record deal, didn't get a contract, and uh, that kind of life wasn't going to happen. And at that point, I had to make a choice, had, had a choice to make. Do I look for another opportunity to be a successful musician? Do I look for another band to try and break into the music scene? How committed am I to this dream, the thing that I've been following and pursuing and wanting to do literally through all my teenage years and dreaming about? By then, by the way, I joined a small vineyard church. It was a small church with a big vision. And God was in the process of captivating my heart with a different dream. From several different corners, I felt like God was talking to me about working with and investing in children and young people. Okay, And there was a really specific word that somebody gave me one day, and it was this. He said, I feel like God is saying to you, Nigel, music is the key that unlocks the door. And I thought, well, what does that mean? And a lot of time thinking and praying and just asking God, what does this look like? By the way, I never knew or thought it would end up doing this. (laughs) But what it did let me to do at that point was to go back to university for another year and qualify as a primary school teacher, which was a big cost. Um, I mean, I did end up with a better salary uh, and paid holidays, which is better than being a freelance musician. And that meant I could marry Joe. So, you know... um, (laughs) All good. Um, But um, it also meant me dying to my dreams of being a successful touring musician. And looking back with hindsight, I now see that that was the right thing to do. I can see that it was definitely God's plan. But I wasn't in any way certain at the time. It was only as I continued down that road that I realized what God had in mind. And so, as well as working in primary school for the next few years, Joe and I took over leading the children's ministry in our church, which we then did for probably the best part of 12 or 13 years. Um, We learned so much about ministry and leadership doing that, and that's what ultimately led to us coming here to Winchester to do this. As well as Kids Church, we ran a bunch of holiday clubs, school assemblies and projects. We started a national youth event that's still going. We wrote and recorded a bunch of children's worship songs, one or two, which turned out to be quite popular. But it's easy to look back on that faith journey from this point with hindsight and say, oh, yes, I knew it was all going to work out. I knew it was the right thing. I had no idea if that was the right thing or not. No idea. It's so much harder to see the future when you're in the middle of attention. And I spent quite a few years wondering what was going to happen. And honestly, just thinking about what I'd given up from time to time, feeling really fed up. You know, teaching was a great job, but it's hard work and busy. And I would watch other people, and it's just my opinion, but frankly, I saw a few people who I thought were honestly a bit less talented than me, um, who were, (laughs) I'm just teasing. Um, I saw other people making it in music. I went to gigs sometimes and watched people on stage and thought, oh, 
I could have done that. That could have been me. And that was hard. Because at that point, I wasn't sure what would come of it all. But I did know that it was what the Lord was telling me to do, and I was trying to follow him. And I just, have, I just kept having to come back to that place of knowing God was with me in the tension, trusting him, trusting that he knew my next steps and he had the best thing and that, and that the things that had to die were in order that other things could live. That was my story. That was part of my story anyway. And it's continued to be the story throughout my life. And it's probably true for many of you as well. It's true for us as individuals and it's true for us as a church. And just in the last few moments, I want to talk a little bit about what I think God is talking to us about as a church this year. You see, we're standing here at the start of 2022, and honestly, with everything in me, I would love to stand up here and give you a really polished vision statement or a really slick three-point plan and say, this is what I think God wants to do this year. I'd love to do that, but I just I don't think I can because we find ourselves in a place where we're still holding a load of values in tension, and we're just trying to navigate the way through it. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris. Every time I say the phrase values intention, Chris looks at me and does this. Right? It's just one of my things. Okay? But it's true. Because actually, you can't, I was just talking to you Irvin, about this, wasn't I, at the start. It's really hard to live on one end or the other. The most mature thing is to be able to hold these things together. You know, ongoing tensions that we still face as a church family. You know, throughout this last few months, We've been asking ourselves, do we, how do we organize ourselves? Do we try to meet together and include everyone in it? Or do we try and stay safe and separate at home? That's one of the tensions that we've been in and to an extent are still in. Okay? Um, another one that we've been thinking about over the last few weeks and months is do we reestablish ministry teams? We are, by the way, really hoping to restart the coffee team later this month. I know there's a few of you going, thank God. <laughs> okay? Um, I'm not a coffee drinker, so I'm not bothered myself, but, um, but I know that many people are. So do we try and establish ministry teams and re-establish teams and start new teams? But again, at the same time, we have to understand that people's priorities have changed and the patterns and how we do things has changed. And we just need to acknowledge that. And that's attention. And I'm not saying either of these is the right thing. I'm just saying this is what we're living in. And then thirdly, an emotional tension um, around this. Do we push forward with momentum and say, come on, rah, rah, what's the next hill? What does God want us to do? Versus, do we leave capacity and space for people to process the pain and loss that's been going on? Because, you know, honestly, I think many of us are still needing to do that. You know, so I would love to say, let's go for it. Let's do loads of projects this year. Let's make it happen. Honestly, I feel more like maybe the Lord is saying, maybe we should just take the time to live in this moment for a bit. And next week, Paul is going to talk about the changes that he'll cause and some of the material we're going to look at over the next um, couple of months on our Sunday mornings um, and give you an opportunity to do that. So those are the tensions we've been living in. And as we look forward into this year, there's some other tensions that we are also living in. I just want to take a moment to talk about that. You know, this is one that we always... Actually, this has always been a tension, you know, what is our focus? Are we going to spend time making sure that we invest in personal growth and spiritual maturity and becoming better believers and more mature believers as against, are we going to deliberately reach out and welcome those who don't yet know Jesus and make this a place where it's very easy for people who like that to come? And that's a tension that we constantly live in, constantly live in. Another one for us at this point is around leadership capacity. We 
our, our staff team has shrunk, some of it natural shrinkage, I, I guess. Um, it's just one of the things that's happened over the last couple of years. Are we going to recruit new staff or are we going to actually train and release more volunteer leaders? That's a tension that we're living in right now, just trying to weigh these things up and ask the Lord what to do. And I think there will be a time when we do recruit new pastoral staff. At this point, I'm not quite sure when it is. Might be later this year, might be next year. Not quite sure yet. Um, but we are holding these things in tension. Um, another of our tensions is around funding. You know, our compassion ministry has grown throughout, um, throughout lockdown. Um, even before that, we had to switch our model because, um, as you know, Jenny uh, retired from that and some of our staff team have stepped in and taken over. And there's some amazing things going on in compassion and there's an amazing amount that we could do. But at the same time, we're trying to balance that with everything else that we need to pay for. And honestly, at this point, up till this point, us, we as a church have funded everything that's gone on with our compassion ministry. It's been amazing. Pardon? Almost, sorry, almost everything. Almost everything. Okay? We think that what we need to do is switch to a model where we invite other people to start joining in with the funding of compassion, where we look for external funding as well as internal funding. And that's quite a big change. We know that there are people who want to fund that and who want to help us do that kind of thing. And we still want to take a lead in what we're doing. Um, But that represents a big change and it represents a redistribution of wealth. And up till, wealth, that's not the right word, redistribution of of resources. Up till this point, um, the church has underwritten everything that the Compassion Ministry has done. Um, And we're just wondering if other people can be invited into that story and we can widen and increase. And if we do that, I think we can do more of it, even more of what we want to do. So that's a, a journey that we're looking at and going down. And by the way, I'm, this is, of all these tensions, that's the one that I think we are, we are definitely sure that that's where we're going to make some moves you know, um, in the next few weeks and months. Um, if, by the way, we'll tell you more about that as we do it. But if, by the way, you happen to be somebody who, through your work or through somebody else, has access to enormous funds for this kind of thing, come talk to me afterwards. That would be great. Thank you. Or talk to Stephen. That would be brilliant. Um, um, And the last thing I want to talk about, and this is a dilemma, and I'm just being honest with you. I don't even know. I've ummed and ahed about whether to even talk about this. But if you look around you at the carpet, there are some pretty horrendous stains on this carpet, right? I mean, I can see some here. Now, maybe you're the kind of person who thinks, it's fine, I don't mind. I never noticed it, and that's fine. But we notice it all the time, and we especially noticed it when we cleared all the chairs out and um, had different people in. And so one of our tensions that we're living in is how we best steward our building. We've done some absolutely amazing work in that part of the building. You know, I don't know if you guys can remember what it was like before we did all the building work there four or five years ago. We didn't have a front door at the front of the building. We didn't have this beautiful cafe. We didn't have that wall. We've done some incredible things to make our building right. Um, And then what happens is when we're we're showing people, we we do quite a lot of renting out of space in our building. It's a way that we can get a little bit of money back for it and serve the community. And so we'll show people around and we'll show them all the space and they'll go, oh, yeah, that's lovely. Oh, that's beautiful, fantastic. And then we'll come into here and they'll go, oh, and, and, and honestly, um, maybe you didn't notice it because you're not bothered and that's fine. And maybe you didn't notice it because we've just lived with this for so long. But we, um, and maybe you're the kind of person who thinks, well, we don't want to spend money on a building. We want to spend it on reaching people. And I completely get that. 
you know. But on the other hand, if this was my home and I wanted to welcome people into it, I don't think I could, I would want to reprioritize somehow so that there weren't horrendous stains all over the carpet. Okay, so I'm not talking about some fancy grand scheme and we don't have a plan. We, 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 we don't even know what we're doing. I'm just telling you this because I want to be really transparent with you. I have ummed and awed about this. I talked to the trustees about it. You know, we had quite a conversation. You know, could we invite people to give to the building even though we haven't met in the building for the last two years? Is that even the right thing to do? I don't, honestly, I don't know. But I'm just telling you the tension that we're living in, one of the dilemmas that we're trying to work through and say to the Lord, you know, which is the right way to go about this? Which is the right way to go about this? Um, The most important thing is that we remain close to God in the middle of this. And it's all about posture, okay? It's how we position ourselves as individuals, as leaders, and as a church before God. You know, um, before Christmas, we were running, uh, we ran a couple of evenings, which we called Come Holy Spirit. And we ran one again this week. And we're going to continue to run them monthly, um, at least from now until Easter, because we just felt that it was really important to make space to just be before God. And that's a wonderful thing to do, and it's a, very, it's a great thing to do if you're in the moment. But also, collectively, as a community, we wanted to just say, Lord, here we are, and we want to hear you, we want to come before you, to worship you, and then just to hear you if there's anything you want to say to us. And for me, however we navigate our way through these tensions, whether you think, yes, spend the money on the building, or don't spend the money on the building, or whatever you think, that's okay. And by the way, you know, I'd love to hear your opinions, views. I'd love your feedback. You can send us an email, or you can chat to us, and that would be fine. But do be prayerful about it, okay? Because the last thing I want to say is this. If you feel like you're part of this church, this community, right, then um, I would love to invite you in 2022 to join us as we position ourselves in front of God and say, here we are, Lord. Show us how to step forward. What does it mean to walk by faith this year? What are you wanting to do with us? Maybe it's some of these things. Um, and and the last, so the last thing I'd say to this is just to remind you, and maybe you've joined our church in the last year or two, and you probably, maybe you haven't heard us talk about this very much, but if you are somebody who is following Jesus, choosing to follow Jesus as part of this church community, then we just invite you gently but to, to consider these five ways that we would do this. What, what does membership look like here? Membership looks like functioning as a member. You don't sign on a dotted line. We don't make you, you know, sign your life away or anything like that. But we say, if you're a member of this church, then worship with us on a Sunday service. Well, you've already passed that box because you're here already. And we invite you to join a life group. And we talked about that earlier. Being in a small group, being in a community, even if it's not one of our regular life groups, we invite you to be in community. It's so important that we have other people to do this journey with. Thirdly, we invite you to become a host by joining a team. And you know, you've heard me say this before, um, but basically in church life, you can either be a guest or a host. And if you're a guest, you're welcome, and you can be a guest as long as you need to. If you've decided that this is your church, then the, the encouragement is to become a host and help, other, help church happen for other people to come guest. A bunch of you are already doing that. We celebrated last week our children's and youth team. A bunch of you are already doing that on our um, stewarding and hospitality. Um, hosting team, car park and 
all of that stuff and welcoming. Very grateful to you. And as I said, we're looking to start up our coffee team. So come and see Joe if you want to be part of the coffee team. Not if you just want a cup of coffee. If you want to be part of being a host, then that's a great place to be. The fourth thing we invite you to do is to buy in. If you, if you buy into the vision, buy into the vision. And giving financially is very much part of what the Bible talks about. And it's very much part of, of how we do business around here. And if you can gift aid, that's brilliant too, because it just all really helps. We don't say this, I'm not doing this big talk, a money talk, because, oh, we need the money for the carpet. Don't hear me say that. I'm trying to say, look, you know what? We don't know what to do about the building. We're just being prayerful about that. Oh, I'm wandering again. Sorry, cameras. They tell me to not wander. I need to stand here. Um, thank you, Stephen. Um, we're being prayerful about how we move forward, but if you are part of the church and you, you're not involved in helping make things happen or buying into the vision, then this is a great time to do that. And there are leaflets about that at the back, and there is a page on the website that encourages you to do that, and we'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks' time. And lastly, um, we, if you are a member of this church, we invite you to invite others, to be an inviting person. Not just to keep it to yourself, but to bring your friends, invite others to experience what we're experiencing here. This is the tension that we live in, and I'm, we're trying to walk by faith into 2022. I'm going to stop there, but it would be great to have some ministry. So why don't you just stand up where you are? And if you've been watching online, thank you for watching. And that maybe this is just an opportunity to, to pray and to respond in your own way. Why just why don't we just hold Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We invite your presence and we welcome.